Soy, the final frontier. I'm Comrade Britt. And I'm a pilot, Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Memento, our ongoing mission. To seek out old and new episodes of Trek, both cringe and based. And to boldly go... To attack Zack and more! Soy Trek the Podcast is here! Soy Trek! One half vegan, one half queer! 100% communist, unless we have a less leftist guest! Trick! I'm Britain, we're talking, joking, farting and shitting all about Star Trek. Like our buttholes, the show is wrecked. Soy Trek, the podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Oh, hey, welcome to the bridge. Hi, hi, hi. I'm Comrade Britt. I'm Pat. The podcast is Soy Trek. Welcome. Welcome. What's 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 new with you, Pat? Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. Shitting on a bowl. Yeah, shitting. Yeah. Shitting in a bowl. Uh, shitting. B O W L. Shitting on a bull's chest for money. Oh, like a a, a bull who's like fucking a hot wife. Oh yeah. Oh okay. No yeah. no no. Like I'm the talk- opposite I'm, of a cuck. I'm actually talking about the animal. Oh, I, I thought we were talking about either the opposite of a cuck or like a B O W L. Oh no! Or no, maybe no. a bowling ball. No, no, no! I, it's an actual bowl. No. Oh. How yeah. about a, a bowling ball? B U L L I N G. U bowl. Uve bowl. Uve bowl. Uve bowl. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty cool. That guy makes some movies. Wow! What if there was an Uve bowl? Oh, like the the root or whatever Uve is. It's a it's the purple sweet potato. Oh, it's a sweet potato. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's it's a tuber. Yep, it's tuber. Tuber. It actually makes really good ice cream. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've had it before. Yeah, it's um, delicious. Uh, like Tommy Tuber. Yeah, Tommy Bill. Tuber. Tommy Tuber Bill. Yeah. Fuck him. Um, <laughs> so, um, I just got back from Alaska. If you're listening to this, we Hell's didn't good. have any episodes last week because I was uh, busy doing a ten day bachelor party for my brother, which Damn. I organized completely and somehow went off without a hitch. Nice. Everyone had fun. Everyone had great time. Great time. Hells yeah. Happy ending. Very nice. good time. Uh-oh. Oh, so you got all got happy endings at the end. I gave them all happy endings. <laughs> I was octopus in it, man. You know, yeah. There was eight of them, one of me. You know, I, I ain't got more than you're, four limbs. You're utilizing your toes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got, like, I, I got a, I rigged up a couple, like, little pulley systems to, oh, nice. to sound a couple dudes with chopsticks. Daddy, can I jack your sausage? Daddy, can I jack your sausage? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was it was exactly like uh, Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah. Uh, and then I jacked off a horse, just uh, like Freddy Got Fingered. And then an elephant. Uh, no, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't elephant. go that far. It's, uh, okay. it's hard to find elephants to jack off. Especially in Alaska. I'm just guessing that they're pretty rare. Yeah, so years ago, actually, interesting story. They had a... Um, I forget what the, na- the name of the elephant was, but they had an elephant up there, and like its parents died... And uh, Bob Barker, of all people, was like, hey, this elephant shouldn't be in Alaska. So he paid it for it out of his own pocket to transport this elephant down to, like, better weather, I think, in California or something. Oh, like awesome. That. Yeah, Bob Barker, fucking real one, that guy. Yeah. Fucking real one. We love Bob Barker. Yeah, like, why would you take an elephant to Alaska? 
I guess for the zoo cruelty. Yeah, for the same reason, fucking Edison killed the like like electrocuted one to death. Yeah, with AC current because yeah. he's like, AC is inferior and dangerous. AC is gonna kill everyone. Watch it, shock this elephant. And like, yeah, I'm guessing D- anything will die if you electrocute it. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> now look at look at the effects of DC, and he's just a handful of batteries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, it feels. Oh my God, it burns. Oh Jesus. Oh, what had I done? I'm a fraud. I'm damn, a fraud. Damn you, Tesla. <laughs> so, um, we watched a new episode of Star Trek: Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds this week. We did. I realized a little while ago we just stopped doing all the music for the. The bumper music for, yeah. for stuff. I don't really care. I don't know about you. Yeah. If if you listen to the podcast and you really care, let me know. I might I might bring music back. Did you have a song for Strange New Worlds? A strange new Oh, world. that's right, you did, yeah. 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 Uh Yep. That was good. Yep. I like that Captain Pike, ride him like a bike. <laughs> Too bad I'm only dreaming. <laughs> a H-O-L-E new world. Oh, yeah. Whole new world, right? Whole new world, yeah. Strange, well, I guess it's strange. New world strange. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite words for, for pussy is strange, mm-hmm. right? Or I guess any genitals you want, really. Yeah, I always, always associated it with just, like, the strange being... Uh, connected to someone that you don't know and just a random person interesting yeah that's how the context of it like i'm gonna get some strange tonight meaning like someone you're gonna have like a one night like a stranger a stranger's Mm -hmm. genitals yes interesting ah i've always just used it as like uh, fucking a strange person yeah i mean well everyone who will fuck me as strange? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> thanks. Can thanks you really for... be strange if you're a stranger? If you're a stranger, can you be strange? Yeah. Uh, fucking is strange <laughs> when you're a stranger. Getting that strange, you feel alone, <laughs> like you are jerking. You're fucking gurking, all alone in your home when you're strange. <laughs> People come in the rain when you're strange. Um. I like it. Work with it. People yell out your name. <laughs> Getting strange. <laughs> Getting, Getting strange. strange. But typically they don't yell at your name. Just complete strangers in the night. That's true, and no one remembers my name. No. They're like, oh, yeah, fuck me. Brett? Brendan? Brendan? Let's go, Brandon. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You made me come too fast. You said my cum word. That's, that's my trigger, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's like just like shoving a full hand right into the prostate, mm-hmm. you know? Just grabbing it and shaking it like a shake weight. Oh, yeah, or like a baby's rattle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We love love to <laughs> love to do that, everybody. It's like that movie Whiplash. Yeah. J.K. Simmons is like, faster, faster, fucking faster, goddammit. That was a very sexual movie. It was like, and that, it's also an amazing movie. It's I awesome. fucking love that. It movie. is. It is great. It's uh, it's the most you could ever possibly say in the context of jazz. Yes, there's there's really nothing interesting to be said in the context of jazz. But somehow that movie was like, hey, we're gonna make jazz interesting for like two hours. And really, that should be evidence enough that you need to pay your writers. Yes, because it took something I could give two fucking shits about jazz music. 
and you mi- couldn't and, give two shits about jazz. You couldn't <laughs> give a single shit about. I jazz. give a single shit about jazz, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. I've watched that movie like I think five or six times. I was edging on my seat the entire time. <laughs> I was edging on my seat, and then I came during the end credits, and I was just like, I love this jazz movie. Yeah, and I was like, uh, please don't throw me out of the theater. <laughs> I swear I won't do it again. It's an original story, like completely not connected to any franchise. And J.K. Simmons. And J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is a fucking powerhouse. J.K. Simmons is fucking yoked in it. He looks amazing. Yeah, dude, that that dude. He looked terrifying. He did. He did. He he looked like a fucking (laughs) like the only jazz teacher that will beat the shit out of you. Yeah, will beat the shit out of you and then fuck you. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Definitely, daddy. Yes. Anyway, we watched uh, we watched a new Strange New Worlds this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strange New Worlds season two, episode four, Among the Lotus Eaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one aired on the sixth of July, twenty twenty three, about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the fourteenth episode of Strange New Worlds overall, and the eight hundred and eighty seventh episode of Star Trek overall. This one was written by Kristen Bayer and Davey Perez. Bayer is probably best known as the co-creator of Star Trek Picard. Mm. Uh, Also, she wrote three episodes of Disco and Mm. one episode of Picard. Uh, The Stardust City Rag, one of my very least favorite episodes. (laughs) The Stardust City Rag! Mammy! Wait, no. Uh, No. No. Wrong-o. Um And uh, also co-written by Davey Perez, who uh, has been a pretty oft writer on Strange New Worlds. He wrote the uh, Gorn episode Memento Mori, mm. as well as the Gorn episode All Those Who Wander, both of which I thought were pretty great. Yeah. It's interesting that he did because, like, yeah, like, you know, it, um, there was a lot of aliens and Alien 3 connections with that Gorn episode. Mm-hmm. And this, I got, I was getting lots of Memento vibes. You're not wrong, actually. Yeah, yeah. This this did have a memento, yeah, lost memory kind of angle to it for sure. Yeah, for the sure. tattoos. Yeah, like, like contextualizing your your like being having to rely on tattoos to like figure out who you are. Why do you think I have so many tattoos? Yeah, that's it's like oh what, god, I woke up. Who am I? That's why I have a Klingon tattoo. I'm yeah. like, wait, am I a fucking loser? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. That's why I, I got a Klingon tattoo. That's why I got the got the dignity tattoo. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> um, so this one uh, was. Um, directed by one Eduardo Sanchez, who's done tons of TV directing before, but uh, is probably best known for five episodes of Supernatural, uh, mm. which Davy Perez was also a writer on. So mm. those two have worked together a lot. I assume they struck up a deal for this episode. So let's jump right in. Jump on in. We got a captain's log, captain's personal log, start date 1630.1. Enterprise is currently assisting the USS Cayuga in a joint mission (laughs) (coughs) Uh, charting a new binary system. Reject the binary. Uh, Captain Battelle and I are taking advantage by attempting a perilous maneuver of our own. Stealing a little personal time. Yeah. I like how they still have their like, well it's Kind of at no strings attached. No. Yeah, but it kind of like starts to go to the next another level. Here. Yeah, they're they're out of the situationship level yeah. and into a relationship of some sort. Yeah. I mean, they've they've been off and on since the beginning of the series. Yeah, that like first he, episode. Yeah, he made her breakfast in that first episode, yeah. and I contend they did not fuck. Oh no, they did. I no, think we no. did. We argued about. We this. have argued about this many times before. No, you only make you make breakfast if you fucked. That's not true. I've okay. made breakfast to people I haven't fucked. 
I, yeah, but I made before the hike this last weekend. I made breakfast for ten people, and, and I haven't fucked a single one of them. You just said that you jerked them all off. God damn it! That's not <laughs> jerking people off. Isn't the same as fucking for the last uh, okay. goddamn time. All right, all right. You don't get laid all the time, Patrick. <laughs> you jerk yourself off, okay? <laughs> get it, get it straight. <laughs> get it straight. Um. So. As the USS Enterprise and the USS Koyuga conduct a survey of a binary star system, Battelle enters Pike's quarters on the Enterprise as he's preparing dinner, most specifically a sauce that his mother made. Mm. Uh, she asks if he's making his mom's sauce, and he says anything else would be a crime against tomatoes, which uh, I've probably done a few crimes against tomatoes. Is his mom Italian, you think? Uh, with that hairline, yes, a hundred percent. Like there's, there's very few things that, very few nationalities where your hairline looks that fucking good, in when you're fifty. Because yeah. fucking Anson Mount's fifty years old, and he has the most beautiful fucking head of hair I think I've ever seen. He does, and that only happens when you're Italian. It's the trade-off for having to be Italian. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, the curse of Italianhood. Yes. Yeah, I mean, my grandfather, he died at like. 80 something full head of hair yeah right yeah i mean he had a full lots of everything of hair i'm sure oh yeah 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 he could probably if he lost any of his hair he could probably supplant it from like his <laughs> asshole he probably was just doing a comb over from his back <laughs> <laughs> just just doing like the doing that comb over yeah like yeah. i was just like grandpa wait a minute yeah cool so um Pike makes clear to his crew that he's incommunicado outside of red alert for the next half hour, which tells me that's all the time he needs to fuck. Yeah. Pretty cool. And eat. And eat. Which is, I mean, eat and, you know, eat. Eat and skeet. You know what I'm saying? He, put a plate, he just put a plate on her back. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> <and> just, <laughs> he's like, he, he put, like, a plate in front of her on the pillow and a plate on her back, and he's like, yeah. let's eat. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, as a, as a Starfleet captain, you have to multitask. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, time is a precious resource sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, you know, sometimes there's long stretches where you don't do anything. Other times, you know, Go you got to gotta eat, eat and fuck. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, all at once, That's what that yeah. movie's about, is uh, eating, eating, man- eating spaghetti off your lover's back. I was going to say manicotti. Oh, was he thinking he was making manicotti? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's into, like, some more esoteric Italian stuff. Mm. Not not so much the the spaghetti, the the bucatini. Oh uh, yeah, that. yeah. It's uh, he's he gets into uh, the things you got to stuff. Gets a manicot over here because he likes stuffing things. If you know what I mean, like Battelle's butthole. Got, got, got him. him. Got him. He, he got her. <laughs> so um, Battelle uh, says she has a gift for Pike. It is in o- a Felian Mariner's keystone that she found on Galt, John Galt. No. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if any John Galt people still exist in the future, we have failed. <laughs> yeah, we really have. If anyone, if like, I don't, I'm not about burning books, but I am about like people forgetting about books. Mm-hmm. And people really need to forget about Ayn Rand because mm-hmm. everything that came out of that woman's mind was batty dog shit. There was, there was a really funny thing that happened like probably like 15 years ago where mm-hmm. everyone was recording themselves going like i am john galt oh my on God. youtube oh was it in like preparation for the film that came out like, oh yeah it was for yeah. the preparation for the film uh-huh. yeah and so everyone was just like like yeah like being like i am john galt that's so so gay <laughs> it was it was really funny going through all the youtube videos of all the people and 
one guy just like in darkness, like saying it with the fear in his voice. I was like, you know, he was masturbating. He you know was baiting. He whole was baiting. Yeah. yeah. Pages of his of uh, Atlas Shrug are all stuck together. <laughs> <laughs> he just uses it a cum rag for this point. Yeah. yeah, it's a solid block. <laughs> just a paperweight. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Pike loves the gift, but just then, Battelle receives another interruption. It's a message from Admiral Elden, Elden Ring, that is, mm. that she had been expecting. She takes it over at Pike's personal station. A few moments later, Battelle returns to the table, and she's not happy. Pike can guess why. She's been passed over for a promotion. Uh, and... The promotion for Commodore has gone to another officer, William Geary, which tells me misogyny. Um, Pike believes that the promotion should have been hers, but apparently there were concerns. Wait, what What uh, promotion was she going for again? Commodore. Commodore, that's right. Uh, yeah, she wanted to be um, uh, Lionel Richie. Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he was in the Commodores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a brick. She's a battle house. Um so, Pike wonders if it was about the two of them, but she explains that Admiral Pulsock is punishing her for failing to win Una's trial uh, back on episode two. Mm -hmm. She was the prosecuting attorney. Uh, and she was given not a very good task. No. Um, Pike is worried uh, about this and calls their long-distance relationship difficult. And he suggests that they pulled it back a little, mm. meaning his foreskin. Yeah, and she's like, I don't know, that shit's pretty meaty. And I think it's, I think it's like grafted at this yeah. point. And he's like, well, that's the that's what goes with being Italian. This fucking haircut and the meatiest foreskin ever. It's like its own ragu sauce. So. Um, I do have to imagine like maintaining relationships while being on two separate starships. Yeah, especially when they're both difficult. captains. And both like, captains. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want anyone who has the same stressful job that I do uh, that would that would like I don't know that that it suck also like variety is cool like I I like dating people and fucking people that I get to learn something from you know and you really like with the captains you don't see them have any long term relationships except for Cisco who you know marries Cassidy Yates by the yeah mar of, marries like, his dead wife again yeah <laughs> this which is it. pretty fucking cool and uh but he married yeah like uh but otherwise like pretty much all the other you know the captains stay basically single so because it's like it's a hard job to get attached to I mean I guess Janeway had somebody back home but just kind of forgot about it. oh yeah and the dogs and whatever and the dogs yeah, yeah we don't we don't really care about that yeah <laughs> she's far away from that yeah, yeah she's far she's light years from that dick <laughs> so uh Battelle calls um pike's timing perfect ironically of course mm -hmm. and leaves to return to her ship una calls and says that starfleet command is calling regarding rigel seven so in the ready room, uh, Una explains that Rigel 7 is a class M planet that was visited five years earlier by the Enterprise. Mm. Uh, they then discovered the Kalar on there, a Bronze Age civilization organized into a caste system. Lon is curious as to why the entire mission was only four hours with an emergency evacuation, and Una says that they hadn't been able to properly survey because the landing party ran into some complications. 
Pike clarifies uh, that they had been ambushed and lost three people and shows the three people on the screen, including a guy named Zach Wen. Mm. Ortegas wonders uh, why they're going back to the planet, and Una explains that uh, the scans couldn't penetrate the planet's atmosphere, which is why they weren't prepared last time. Starfleet conducted long-range photographic surveys on the planet and uh, saw none other than the Starfleet insignia on the surface, leading to concern that the original landing party had definitely left something behind and very much broken the Prime Directive. Mm. I mean, in this case, I'm not sure what's really ethical here. I mean, you gave them technology and you're going to go try to steal it back? Uh, I also think they were probably trying to assess the level of, of contamination. True. Like, um... Because, yeah, it'd be fucked up if they, like, yeah, steal it back after it become ingrained in their society over the course of five years. Right, right. Like, <laughs> imagine if, like, aliens just came down and they're like, hey, we didn't mean to give you computers, so... <laughs> you, you, uh, that's, that, that, that's Bleak Lock's fault. Like, we told them not to give you guys computers and... Uh, and now you got the internet pornography <laughs> and your society has ruined itself. Yeah, you guys are just, like, going on, a, on, a, on straight to hell. Yeah. <laughs> hell exists. Fucking gooners. We're aliens, we've been there. <laughs> fucking gooners. <laughs> So, um, Pike says a small strike team will have to go down to the surface to assess the level of cultural contamination, uh, and if possible, correct it. Uh, he remembers they had gone down in uniform last time and is not planning on making that mistake again. Once they had their intelligence, he says, they would devise a plan to recover any Starfleet tech they could find. After the others leave, Una notes that Kyuga left with haste. Pike admits that him and Battelle are taking time apart, and Una points out that this is a thing that he does, panicking when people get too close to him. Pike denies it, but seems uncertain himself. Una thinks Battelle is a good fit for him, because she got a tiny pushy and he got that <laughs> tiny little penis. Um, but uh, Pike tries to wave it off. Una chides him, saying everyone needs some joy in their lives, even a captain. She's talking about joy, the... Um, the, the laundry detergent. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and that's how the ad ends. The end of the episode. <laughs> there you go. Um, they then turn their attention to the mission. Pike wondering if he could have done something differently the first time, taking responsibility for the situation since he had led the original landing party. Una thinks it wouldn't be a problem if they recused themselves from the matter if it bothered him, but Pike points out that Starfleet Command gave them a mission as a courtesy and a way to remind them of what they already do, that Enterprise needs to clean up its own fucking shit, mm -hmm. which is actually a pretty good idea, I think, for yeah. administration. So, Next, we're in the hallway, and Ortegas, uh, along with Lon and Mbenga, are dressed up in Kalar clothing to join the landing party, and I gotta say, these outfits fucking rock. They're yeah. goth as fuck. <laughs> Uh, they're like all fucking like leather and cool like cable knit shit. I do like uh, Ortegas's hat. Yeah, Ortegas has a sweet fucking hat as mm -hmm. well. Uh, and Ortegas just looks cool in most things. She does. She's she's uh, she she a little haughty. <laughs> and this in this episode, like I I started off because it's kind of almost starts from her perspective. Almost. And you think that it's going to be an Ortegas centered episode, mm -hmm. and, and it gives Ortegas more meat on the bone than basically yeah. any other episode so far. But it's not an Ortegas episode. No, yeah, it quickly becomes not an Ortegas episode, mm -hmm. and I was like. But I, but you think it's going that direction, right? Right. But uh, you know, if you're expecting an Ortega's episode out of this, you're going to be sorely disappointed. 
And she, I, do, she do come in in the end. In the club. She, she do, but I, I would like an actual Ortegas episode. And it, yeah. it kind of bothers me that, like, some characters who I think are um, inferior <laughs> uh, have gotten, like, Lon has gotten two full episodes about her past. She got a Gorn episode, mm-hmm. and she got the fucking time travel episode. Yeah. And Ortegas still hasn't had a single episode. Yeah, Ortegas has that. I mean, not Ortegas. Um, Leon has, like, that, like the whole you know, dark past. Yeah, dark, she has dark. literally two backstories, yeah. and Ortegas has zero. Yeah, she, Ortegas has like, zero so far. What? So far, Ortegas is just the cool girl who says funny lines and everyone likes. And, like, that's great. You know, I'm fine. happy for her, but, like, yeah, we want some... We want some... Uh, what's, what's the story behind Ortegas besides her being a cool-ass pilot? Yeah, like, right? Like, we want to know, like, what, what makes her tick. Yeah. Like, what's, 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 what, does she have any dark dark stories from her past? Mm-hmm. Like, because everyone else has, has one so far. And my my biggest question, uh, what'd that booty do? What'd that booty do? What'd that booty do? Yeah. We need to know. We gotta know. It's got a, a cute little Latina booty. Mm-hmm. I want to know what it do. <laughs> Show us, please. Um, so, Laon is incredulous that Ortegas is actually wearing the hat as well, but Ortegas considers Supreme part of Recon 101. The doctor looks amused uh, as they catch up to Pike. Spock reports on the Stracora debris field they recorded on their previous visit, which appears to be descending, intersecting multiple points along the Enterprise's orbital plane. Ortegas asks what the debris is from, and Spock thinks it is likely the impact between two large celestial bodies that orbited Rigel seven centuries before. As Pike hands Ortegas the pad showing the debris field, he is instantly apologetic, saying that Ortegas will have to stay and pilot the Enterprise by hand. Ortegas reviews the data, um, seeing she will need to make manual adjustments about every 20 minutes and will in fact have to stay on the ship. But if she's staying on the ship, she asks, who will pilot the shuttle? Pike raises his hand, volunteering himself. Uh, he says he may not be Ortegas, but he did used to be a test pilot and promises Ortegas uh, a spot on the next landing party. Mm-hmm. Okay, bummer. Um, as Pike enters the shuttle bay, Ortegas glares at Spock before handing him the pad. Spock tries to explain that he was not responsible for the data, but Ortegas shushes him, saying he needed to learn when to leave people alone. And I actually really liked this line. Yeah. It, it really, I mean, it's... It plays to the uh, the autistic codedness of Spock. Yeah, and how like Spock can't reach social cues. Yeah. Like when you know he can't realize that it's something that she was looking forward to. And yeah, yeah. And I think we've all had a Spock in our life at oh, one yeah. point in time, to where we have to set clear boundaries and say like, "Hey, listen, uh, the way you're acting isn't really appropriate. It's not cash money. That's not very cash money of you. No. Not at all." I think it would have been fun if uh, Ortega still wore the hat while on the bridge. That would, in fact, be fun. And, and the whole outfit, the whole Qatar the whole outfit, yeah, is sick as fuck, and I think she should just adopt this as her new uniform. Yeah. One thing, I don't know if you noticed either, uh, I believe that Ortegas is the only um, woman on the bridge who does not wear a scant ever. Hmm. Yeah. I noticed in this episode, uh, Una... Ahura, Laon, all were scans at some point. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, I think Laon. I don't know. I'd have to go back. But yeah, yeah. So there, there's a little uh, mask coating in there. I think. Yeah. Yeah, trans trans mask coating, which, uh, um, uh, what is that? It makes me horny. Mm. Makes me horny. 
She's always ready for adventure. Yeah. Boy, boys, boy pussy. <laughs> Fucking primo shit. I'm not going to lie. Like, y'all ain't ready for the he they pussy. It's, <laughs> it's out of control. It's real. And it don't quit. It don't be, don't be quitting squirting. It, it uh, I've actually never made a boy pussy squirt. Mm. I don't think. I mean, like, lightly, but not like fucking waterworks mm. i feel like maybe that's a thing although yeah, i mean like the, the 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 like when um someone with a pussy is on tea though their their clit gets like really enlarged and mm. like really hard mm. which i've actually known someone who decided to detransition because their clit got too hard and it was uncomfortable at all times to wear pants oh. which is really the saddest thing yeah I think. that is sad Yep. <laughs> you can take the uh hard clit is the lonely. <laughs> yeah, you can you can take the the boy out of the pussy, but you can't take the pussy out of the boy, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Okay. Feel me. <laughs> anyway, um so Pike pilots the shuttle through the atmosphere, seeing the atmospheric disturbances caused by impacts thousands of years before. Uh, as he lands the shuttle, Pike also points out that they could not risk further contamination, so they would not bring any standard gear but rather items more suitable to the Kalar's level of development, including a telescope and a compass, which Lon is incredulous about, the telescope. She's like, are you serious? I do like how they look exactly like uh, Earth telescopes. Oh, yeah. It's, it looks like a fucking prop from, like, a uh, like a, a master and commander far side of the world. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if, like, because this, this episode, it did feel like there was probably some cost-cutting a little bit. I feel but, like that with every episode this season, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, just kind of like the castle set that they probably have on hand. They're just mm-hmm. like, all right, castle set, and yeah, ca- it's that, like a TNG cave episode. Yeah, was that the same set as um, from Elysian Kingdom, the throne room that uh, fucking, um, uh, what's-her-face was in? Um, Ahura? Hmm. When she was wearing that white dress that made... That's a that, good question. That I'd made her to, titties I'd... go, excuse me, <laughs> I'm here to stay. I would have to rewatch it, but that'd be interesting if it is the same set. Can we can we talk briefly about um, uh, Ahura's titties? I, mean, I think we've 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 talked at them at length. Okay. <laughs> we can talk more. Oh, I want to talk uh, about them at girth. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Them some big titties. Yeah, they are very large. Wonderful. Good job, girl. That's off to you, Ahura. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think they they're they them mermaid. I oh. think is how they define oh. which is that's a hot ass mermaid baby. Mm-hmm. Um. So Pike points out uh, that he specifically wanted Lon and Mbenga to join him for the away crew because he knew they could handle themselves in a fight, and the Kalar are fierce warriors. Yeah, and I do like how Mbenga is like, like when, he's, when he first picks him for the Pike first picks him for the uh, away mission. He's just like, "What do they need a doctor for? What yeah. they, why is a doctor need to go in?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, because you can karate people." Yeah, and by, <laughs> by the way, I love. Uh, Mbenga's voice. Yeah, it's, it's, awesome. it's so unique. It's like it's always scratchy, and it always sounds like he's whispering at the top of his voice. <laughs> yeah, it's not like in a Michael Burnham way where it's like, I need to save everybody. Mm-hmm. He's more like, Oh well, then how <laughs> do you expect me to help you? <laughs> yeah. It's so it's such a cool mm-hmm. voice that's very very unique. Mm-hmm. So big ups to uh, Babs. I don't remember his last yeah. name. It's like Omomwentege Om, or something. Yeah. He's got a cool name, mm-hmm. but I don't remember it. Big ups to him. Cool voice. <laughs> so uh, Law notices Mbega's expression, asking if he's well, and he sarcastically replies that doctors enjoy getting chosen for missions for their combat skills. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, 
So suddenly uh, she hears a ringing in her ears and then she's suddenly outside walking with Pike and Mbenga. Uh, Lon admits to feeling lightheaded and mentions the ringing. Mbenga believes it may be tinnitus caused by the altitude and offers to take them back to the shuttle. Uh, Lon is surprised when Pike mentions they're six hours away from the shuttle. And I got to point out, they said that this was a uh, a 20 kilometer hike. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've, so, which is 12 miles, mm-hmm. nearly exactly. Um, and somehow it is taking them six hours and they're still not anywhere near a 12 mile point, which is very slow moving. Yeah, well, the train's very rocky. Yeah, I just did a crazy hike. Mm. And so that's why I'm judging them. <laughs> I think I'm better hikers than these motherfuckers. All right. Um, so Pike uh, asks Mbenga if he believes they should return to treat La'an, but Mbenga sees nothing else wrong besides the momentary confusion, and La'an concurs that they should move forward. As La'an walks ahead of them, Mbenga expresses his concern to the captain, saying she had breathed thinner air than this. Because she'd be doing, uh, she'd be going to fish concerts and taking that nitrous. You know? <laughs> well, that could be another reason why they're moving so slow. It has a thin, a thin atmosphere. Oh, and they're also doing nitrous. They're also doing nitrous. Yeah, they're doing whippets there. Yeah, they so they keep, like getting, lo- they keep getting lost and going the wrong direction. Yeah, and they're like, man, this is just like a dubstep concert, man. Wait, why did I pass out again? Because you're doing fuck ton of nitrous. <laughs> oh. You've literally got nitrous in a camelback backpack. <laughs> what are you doing? Did you not bring any real gear? Wait, uh. that's, that's not water. That's a, that's, a, that's a camelback full of nitrous? <laughs> <laughs> man, jam bands are cool. And what? That, and what's that keyboard duster? <laughs> <laughs> um, so as they observe the Kalar Fortress, Lon spots the Starfleet Delta over the main gate, uh, which is not the one that they saw from the photograph. So they're everywhere here. She assures Pike uh, that she was just having a headache, but Pike wonders if Mbenga was right and they should return to the shuttle at dawn. Lon stops him short when she spots something through the telescope that she hands to Pike. Um... His look is grim when they see two guards at the gate uh, changing over their shift and handing other guards Starfleet phaser rifles. He recalls Spock had been bleeding out as they fought their way back to the shuttle and admits he hadn't been keeping track of their gear at the time. So he just left a whole bunch of shit on <laughs> Well done. Yeah. And it's it's a thing, too, where, like, you couldn't... None of these have, like, tracking devices on them? No. You don't have any way to account for them? You can't beam them back aboard? You would think also, like, what a good, uh, like, a good, um, something you could build into it is something that would cause it to self-destruct completely. Yeah, or... Like, if, if, if it was, if it's away from, like, other Starfleet technology for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. it just, like, combusts yeah. and reduces the ash, so there, you do leave nothing behind. And this is really like also the second episode where Pike is directly responsible for contaminating a uh, pre-warp civilization. I mean, it's the, like the eleventh one because he's <laughs> he's come on so many planets. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, because you know the first episode itself is like uh, the ramifications of like of another planet observing their um, their warp trail mm-hmm. and um, and how it changed them. You know, gave basically gave them. Um, um, uh, world-ending weapons mm-hmm. that they're using on each other you know and and here yeah it just gave a bronze age people it's basically if we went back and <laughs> just just gave some gave an- ancient civilization machine guns i'm all about that i think that <laughs> sounds like a great idea that's the that kind of sounds like the plot of the new indiana jones movie 
Oh boy. I uh, did you see that? No. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I I don't want I I don't want to see an 80-year-old man just like embarrass himself, but I mean, I do, but I don't want to pay for it. Yeah, same. I like I'll, I'll probably watch it when it comes should. out on streaming or something, but mm-hmm. I was considering going to the movie theater mm-hmm. um uh, the last few days and I was like, yeah, I'll get there eventually. I never did. Yeah, indeed. So Mbenga comes running out a moment later, saying that they have company. Uh, six Kalar warriors approach them, and Pike tries to be diplomatic at first, saying they're far from the north and mean no harm. The leader of the party lifts his phaser and knows better, though, saying uh, that he knows that they're Starfleet. Just then, Mbenga experiences the ringing in his ears as well, and suddenly he is disoriented, uh, and the confusion clears as they are brought inside the fortress. To Pike's shock, they are brought before the Kalar leader, his former Yeoman, Zach Wen, whom he believed killed on the landing parties five years before, and that was uh, one of the people they showed on the screen mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah, I kind of guess once they showed everybody in that, that, uh, in that meeting, I'm like, oh yeah, one of those motherfuckers are alive. Mm. <laughs> so, Zach was believed uh, killed in the landing party, um, and he accuses Pike of leaving him behind, not bothering to check back whether he was alive or not. Left, got left behind. He didn't um, accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Yeah, this is, and and that's where I think this uh, this episode really starts to analog the Bible. Yeah, and and then like I, I was surprised. Yeah, like it was like one of Kirk Cameron's first acting roles in a long time. Mm-hmm. They brought him in, and and, and they put like, him in Asian face. <laughs> put him in Asian face, and then like the last, yeah, and the last like forty five minutes of the of the uh, episode is basically just like you know him preaching. Yeah, it's just like Save Christmas, except in, instead of in a car, he's convincing someone to accept uh, Jesus Christ in their life as their Lord and Savior in a shuttlecraft. Yes. The end. <laughs> um, so, uh, Pike mentioned seeing the Starfleet Delta up in a garden before the fortress, and Zach reveals himself as uh, the leader of the Kalar, known as High Lord Zacharias, which is a sick-ass name. Yeah. I don't know why. Love that. So Pike knows uh, that Zack is upset about the circumstances, but points out he managed to survive. Um, Wen, however, tells him that Rigel 7 is not a normal planet, uh, asking if they had realized how hard it is to think, uh, saying that the radiation on the planet affects the brain, starting with a ringing, then stretches into lost time and an experienced heightened sense of fear, and then, finally, memory loss. Soon enough, he says, they will become Kalar. Pike pleads with him to come back to the ship, but Wen feels there's no going back given how he violated the Prime Directive by arming the locals. Plus, he adds, he would enjoy watching Pike suffer as he had suffered. Which, I, I don't really buy this premise. If I was him, I'd be like, yeah, fucking take me back, please. <laughs> yeah, like, thank God you came. They don't have bidets here! <laughs> um, so... They use pine needles. Pine <laughs> needles! And rocks! <laughs> So three seashells, man. Three seashells. So Pike points out that the Enterprise is in orbit and would come for them, but Zack counters that by tomorrow, no one would remember, including Pike. Pike is suddenly overcome by the ringing and disorientation, uh, coming to in a cage with Mbenga in the lawn. Pike is starting to experience the symptoms Zack described, though not nearly to the same degree as the others. Uh, Laon herself is unconscious. While Pike moves to rouse her, she slaps him across the face, telling him to get away from her. Uh, She seems unable to remember his or her own name. Pike tries to put together what he remembers, thinking the steam vents of the volcano they saw on the way 
in was a source of radiation, but eventually he is too confused as to why they were there. Aboard the Enterprise, Ahura begins hearing the ringing as well, faintly hearing Spock over the mineral composition of the debris field in orbit. Um, Ahura, focusing on her station, says that she is preparing to send the situation to the United Federation of Planets Relay, but Una is confused about this, saying she ordered that two hours ago. Ortegas jokes that this was happening when one spent their nights translating Tellarite sonnets instead of sleeping. Which is a line I didn't love. Uh, Ahura is completely lost, asking if she uh, actually sent that report. Una orders her to report to sickbay, and Ahura agrees. When Ortegas points out that the debris field is right in front of them, Una replies that she flew the Enterprise before Ortegas did. And she will take over her station. So, in sickbay, Ahura reports the ringing in her ears and now has a headache. Nurse Chapel looks worriedly at the scans of Ahura's brain, showing major synaptic degradation in the frontal, parietal, and temporal lobes. And she says, soon enough, you will begin voting Republican. <laughs> um, Ortegas reports that half an hour earlier, Ahura was fine, but now Chapel's scans show something blocking her neural pathways. Um, it's rocks. It's a bunch of a handful of rocks. Ortegas points out that Ahura has been at her post all day, but Chapel thinks it could be a delayed reaction, asking Ahura what she had for breakfast that morning. Ahura, drowsy from a sedative, replies she eats the same thing every day in the morning. Ass. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, that girl freak. We love that shit. But more specifically, oatmeal out of an ass. Hell yeah. Ass meal. <laughs> uh, so Ortegas heads out, uh, and Spock calls from the bridge with a medical emergency, saying six crew members from engineering have acute memory loss. And uh, Ahura quips that it's definitely not the oatmeal out of the ass. <laughs> so back at the Kalar Fortress, a guard opens the cage and tells them to move or starve, uh, but all of them simply stare fearfully back at him. As the guard comes close to the cage, a man steps forward on their behalf, saying they had a rough forgetting. As they wonder why they were in the cage, the man says that they had no totem to guide them, but offers to help them recenter. Wasn't it a totem that they had in uh, Inception? Yes. Is that right? Okay. This should be an Inception spinoff. Mm. No. <laughs> um, so Mbenga doesn't seem to know any of the crew, but the man points out that they may have known each other their whole lives, pointing out their colors. Pike's blue clothing means he must work in the stone quarry like him, while Mbenga's green means that he is a woodcutter. And how I wonder, like, how do they choose people to do this? Because I feel like Mbenga's a little hardier and might be a better, like, miner than Pike. Yeah, I think he just was giving them random jobs. Yeah, it knows, odd he knew, jobs. He, he knew it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Um... So the man replies that he woke to his totem every morning and urges the landing party to be in the moment with him for now. This is also kind of like uh, Fifty First Dates in a way. Okay, explain. Have you seen Fifty First Dates? Yeah. Remember at the end, um, I thought the ending was pretty fucked up. Um, she uh, wakes on because you know she re forgets everything. She forget, it's basically the same rules. Uh -huh. Every night she goes to sleep, she forgets everything. So by morning. Um, it's uh, it's like she's reliving the day that she, uh, that her accident happened, mm -hmm. and so she has no memory of it. But like Adam Sandler marries her, yeah. has a kid with her, 
And so she wakes up on a boat in like Antarctica or some shit. And like, um, and the, you know, they're living in Hawaii. And so then like what he has for her is a book um like a scrapbook oh i remember that, that, sh- yeah. that shows her like their 51st dates basically. yeah and like what's happened like oh by the way uh you have this you have this problem where you forget everything mm-hmm. and so we decided the best thing for that was make you pregnant to really fucking freak mm-hmm. you out <laughs> so now so now you're going to be in inter- so every day you have to be reintroduced to your own child and also you have to be reintroduced to me your husband and and by you, the way i'm adam sandler <laughs> and by the way i'm adam sandler you're like eight points higher than me on <laughs> yeah. every scale including acting yeah oh and by the way if you if you uh, start to regret ever marrying me you're gonna forget about it tomorrow so it doesn't fucking matter right and you're gonna end up in the loony bin so really she would never leave him either yeah correct i mean how could she she's entirely dependent on him yeah it's really fucked up it's a very codependent relationship yeah it's like someone like that probably it's like i feel that's detrimental to someone like that like because like this proves this episode proves that like ha- that's that's detrimental to anyone in that mm-hmm. sort of situation living every day like they have no sense of identity they have no sense of like of of culture mm-hmm. like because they just go by like what this thing says when they wake up every morning like you're wearing blue you're a minor and mm-hmm. uh just live with that <laughs> and so and and uh, and you just gotta wake up like, and I feel like yeah her waking up and realizing oh yeah I, I now have to deal with the fact that I'm a mother mm-hmm. and a wife and now I'm completely taken away from my home in Hawaii and I'm on on a fucking boat it's pretty cool yeah <laughs> It's pretty cool to basically kidnap people who yeah. have memory problems. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. Yeah, she has to wake up and, like, look through this book and, like, just, like... Like, she she needs a professional caregiver. Like, yeah. Is, is, why is the state not intervening in this? Like, this is some weird fucked up shit. Yeah, how is that not... How is she not being taken advantage of? She is, definitely. Yeah. She's being the most taken advantage of. Yeah. She's being exploited because, I mean, first and foremost, she's in a fucking Adam Sandler film. <laughs> for one. For one. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like she can actually make any sort of informed consent, I feel, like, because no. it's like, because, like, she forgets everything by the next day, so, mm-hmm. like, he could abuse her. Like, he could, like, do some really fucked up shit to her and she has no memory of it and she just still stays with him and just like, oh, by the way, here's all the, you're, here's all the good things that have happened to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's he just, true. And he, it's, just, and he, he could be gaslighting her entirely. He could be gaslighting her entirely. He, she could be kidnapped. And yeah, like the only like thing that page one is like, actually, I have a very big penis. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what is what does that have to do with anything? Act, yeah, actually, three inches is average. <laughs> <laughs> three inches is huge. <laughs> and. Um, and she's like, okay. And, well, she, but she has some memories before that. But also, but I, mean, I guess they kind of alleviate that because they have um, her dad. I guess and like, so. Don't worry, I'm, I'm. You know, dad's also on the boat, so he's just like, right, right. So he's just like, I approve of this, and it's just like, do you though, man? Like, yeah, come on. We, we're kidnapping my daughter. <laughs> we're kidnapping my daughter and taking her on a uh, on a boat trip to Antarctica and mm-hmm. freaking her the fuck out and making her wake up on a goddamn boat. Hell yeah, we love that. Yeah. Uh, so Pike and Laan are put to work in the quarry while Mbenga cuts wood. Pike doesn't like not knowing what's going on while Laan protests at being forced into labor. And suddenly the man who was talking to them earlier, who introduces himself as Luke, says that the work is a blessing, giving them purpose. He says they had a hard forgetting. Uh, Pike asks if that was sleep, but the man says that sleep is what the Kalar in the palace do. And the Kalar in the field, like them, 
they had for getting. It does seem like there is, like, like it's not like he's remembered of this every day. Like, it's kind of like there is, like, the things that they remember, like, yeah, the forgetting, but mm. they lose all sense of identity. Yeah. And that's that's it. So it's, it's very interesting what they remember and what they forget. Yeah, because he says they don't uh, forget deeply known things like walking, talking, fucking, and sucking. Yes. Uh, and Pike's like, oh, this is paradise then. <laughs> and Sign they, me the they fuck s- up. They stay forever. Yeah. Um, and they're all in polyamorous relationships because they fall. Mm-hmm. They can just like fall in love with another person every day. We love and they, that. And they don't. They don't have any sort of context to what is this a continuation of a relationship? Is mm-hmm. it you know? Is this a brand new thing? Who right. Knows? We so, be sucking and fucking every single day. Someone <laughs> new. Someone blue. <laughs> something worn. Something old. Yeah. Something worn. Something clue. <laughs> board game. So, um, the man says the Kalar in the palace didn't forget about things, but those in the field had pictures and each other to guide them. He says, with the fruit of the gods, they marked themselves, rolling up his sleeve to show tattoos on his arm, uh, and says that's how he knows his name is Luke, because it's written on his arm. Mm -hmm. So Pike and Lan uh, both have no pictures on their arms, and so Pike looks at his hands, uh, thinking hey, maybe we're not meant to be these field Kalar. Maybe we actually do work in the palace, because my hands aren't worn. They don't look like they do hard manual labor. I'm sure they probably do have some really kick-ass lotions in the future. Oh, absolutely. So he is, he's moisturized. Mm-hmm. Like He's hes looking good. He's, he, got a, he got a mani-pedi the other day. Yeah, he doesn't even have to use lube to jerk off, because no. his hands are already slick. <laughs> they're, they're, they're so supple. They're just like velvet. Mm. It's like jerk. It's like, it's like fucking a velvet pillow. We need to pause real quick. <laughs> uh, so Luke, and we're back. Uh, oh man, those velvet pillows. Ooh, wow. Whoa, doggy. Wow, I came everywhere. <laughs> so Luke warns that uh, they could chase uh, the feeling of um, trying to not belong and belong elsewhere, but never find it. But the totem tells them to forget before and live in the moment. And, be- and Lon's like, I, I don't belong anywhere. Mm, oh, I like that belong. I don't belong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Luke leaves, and Pike points out to Lawn that there are only two guards left, and no one seems to want to fight them, and suggests perhaps they're conditioned to not fight them. Uh, like, one day they fight, and then they forget why the next day, and they give up completely. Mm. Which makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So the Kalar guards tell Luke to hurry up, and Pike tries to speak on his behalf, saying he's in pain. Uh, the guard warns the field Kalar not to talk back, and Pike engages the man in a fist fight before knocking him out. And this is sick. I love, I honestly really like Action Pike. I think Anson Mount's good at action. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, I don't think he should regularly be Action Pike, but, like, this forgetful Pike who doesn't know who he is is a cool way to frame, hey, maybe he can do some action. Yeah. And I usually don't love action on these shows, but mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was pretty good. It wasn't, it wasn't too much. No. Uh, the second guard advances, and Laon rushes to his aid with her hammer and knocks him out by hitting him in the head with the hammer, which was far too much. Yeah. She definitely murdered that man. Come on, Laon. Yeah, like, fucking Pike is like, put him out for the night. And then Laon's like, I'm going to murder him <laughs> with a hammer. When she gets her memories back, she's like, oopsie, I did a murder. Yep. Don't worry, I didn't remember who I was. The, uh, you know the Cannibal Corpse song, uh, Hammer Smashed Face? Mm-hmm. It's about Laon. Oh, it is. Most people don't know that. Um, so Mbenga rushes to Lon's side to put pressure on her wound because she got cut 
in her little fight. Uh, Pike recognizes that he must be a healer or a doctor, and Mbenga's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, why not? Uh, Lon thinks that they need to hide, and Luke agrees, as more guards will be on their way. Pike doesn't even know where they are, but Luke offers his help, and the three of them follow. Back on the Enterprise, uh, Nurse Chapel reports on the symptoms of Una, who is also experiencing the tinnitus, migraine, and memory loss. A third of the crew is already affected. Spock enters, distributing pads around, saying that they're their personnel files, and everyone should keep their own personnel file on themselves to know who they are. He estimates within the next hour they will be unable to man critical stations. Una asks for theories, and Chapel thinks it's some kind of exotic radiation. Mm. Spock believes that the planet itself is the source as the symptoms begin manifesting after they arrived, and they had not been there as long as their last visit. Uh, returning to the bridge, Spock orders Ortegas to take them to the debris field, as its mineral composition would shield them from radioactive isotopes, specifically the ones that are affecting their memory. Ortegas asks if this was before or after the debris pulverized them, but chides Spock for being offensive when he asks if she thought she couldn't pilot the ship. He then hands her her own personal file in case she forgets. She looks at it and reads, I fly the ship, repeating it like a mantra. <laughs> Which a lot of people online didn't seem to like because they're like, she doesn't pilot the ship alone. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> she does pilot the ship. She do. She do. She'd be doing that. So back on the surface of the planet, uh, Luke brings the landing party to a hut with a uh, pizza hut, that is, <laughs> with a sign matching the symbols on his arm, which is a red roof and Pizza Hut. <laughs> this is how I know my name is Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> pizza the Hut. Mm -hmm. So they lay La'on on the bed, and she asks for water. And Benga's like, I ain't got water, but I got another liquid for you. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Um, it's Diet Coke. Good job, Mbenga. Um, it hydrates better than water. Yeah, it does. It's what plants crave. Um, so Luke tells them they should let go and allow their less memories to be serene, uh, earning a protest from Lon, who's not ready for her last moments quite yet. Um, Mbenga worriedly tells them that Lon has begun running a fever. Uh, Pike tells Luke that he is not willing to let her die, but Luke calls the forgetting a blessing, saying they would not remember the anguish of her passing. Pike asks about the totem, Luke mentioned, and Luke directs him to the pillar next to which he's standing, which is kind of a totem pool of sorts, uh, and says it is the story of the Kalar, how their gods had proclaimed there would be two types of Kalar, those who remember the plan to plan their future and record their past, and those who forget to keep the work of the present continuing. Pike finds it convenient that some do all the work while others don't, but Luke defends it by saying that the palace Kalar remember so others could be free. And do you, do you think this is, like, some kind of analogy for capitalism or something? I don't know what uh, this is trying I to say. I think absolutely, because, like, um, I think it's kind of like the self-actualization, mm -hmm. where it's just, like, people, like, who have all their needs met have more, like, you agency, know, agency mm -hmm. and then, yeah, it's, like, people at the bottom, you know, they have to work. And, yeah, they got to do shift work every and, fucking day. you know, and capitalism has, like, the tendency to, you know, absorb... Uh, people's cultures and then erase it, mm -hmm. yeah. which has done, you know, multiple indigenous <laughs> people and and just yeah, just completely wipe all that stuff away and like make make you make everyone uh, do the culture hegemony, mm -hmm. just like all going, you know, 
changing your perspective into uh, the perspective of the ruling class. Interesting. So, when asked how the palace Kalar remember, Luke recalls a legend that there was a casket inside the palace that helped them remember things. Pike is animate about saving Laon, who risked her life to save his, but the only way to do so is to help Mbenga recover the memories. Luke realizes Pike is serious and agrees to help. Um, the totem, he says, taught them that they lived in each moment and embraced them. If this was Pike's moment, he would help. Pike is firm that it is his moment, and he will go back to the palace to restore their memories. <clears throat> so next, Luke leads a landing party uh, to, I guess it's not really a landing party, it's more of just a walking party, to an area near the palace where they gently set Lawn down on the ground to rest. Uh, Pike asks if Mbenga uh, if it's safe to move her, and Mbenga replies she would need to be close when he got his memory back. Plus, if the forgetting came for them, they would forget she needed help at all. So Pike knows, uh, sorry, uh, Pike asks Luke to stay with her and offers to bring his memory back when they found the casket. To their surprise, Luke refuses, telling them to leave his behind, his memory. He points out the keystone Pike is wearing and asks if he deciphered its meaning. Pike knows only that it's a gift from someone he was connected to, someone that he needed to return to, and that he could feel it, feel them. So he'd be, he'd be feeling that. He'd be feeling that from afar. He'd be wanting that pussy so bad. So, Luke recognizes this feeling as love. Aww. How the fuck would you remember love here? Yeah. (laughs) People could not possibly love, like, the field canar, unless they did a fucking 50 first dates, I guess. Mm. Maybe that is a way they feel love. Yeah, they all all open up, like, a a, a conveniently edited... um, photo album and be like oh page i'm supposed one, to love this person page one on everyone is uh uh zach Wen has a giant penis <laughs> the biggest one in fact the biggest one everyone yeah. must suck zach Wen's penis yep or or lar- l- l- high officer zacharias or whatever his name was yeah yeah was a, yeah that sounds about right um so uh, the totems, Luke explains, passed from parent to child, but he had no one to give his to, and he didn't know the story, nor did he want to. He knew the absence, the loss, the knowing the story wouldn't erase his sorrow. Luke points out that uh, they are going back for their lost memories and didn't know what they would find either. Pike tells him that they're doing it for Laon, and Luke adds that they were doing it for whoever gave Pike that gift as well, which is an interesting concept. Mm. Um, He, on the other hand, Luke, is past the need to remember and admits to being afraid of the pain of remembering. Just then, the tinnitus takes hold of Pike. It has also taken a hold aboard the Enterprise, with both Spock and Ortegas experiencing disorientation, followed by complete loss of memory. Spock thinks that the answers he wants are on the pad in his hand, but he cannot read it, nor can Ortegas. And it's crazy that they'd forget to read, because they can yeah. walk, talk, do all that shit, but apparently reading's a bridge too far. Yeah, I, I found that fascinating, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that they, they would... Uh, but, you know... As we see later, you know, Tegas is more than capable of using the <laughs> the controls. So, Ortegas thinks uh, they're trying to make something better, but thinks that they made it worse instead. Also, how would they forget, like, the field Kalar, they can read. They can, which is interesting. Hmm. 
or they can at least like read symbology. Yeah, of, they, of the it, thing that they read yeah, every single like day. Yeah, like if it's words or yeah, symbology. It's still like I feel even reading symbology is basically yeah reading. reading. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So it's like hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah I, guess. I guess like symbology and interpretation is even a deeper reading than like actual yeah. acrylic should. Yeah. Yeah, because like, yeah, with writing, it's it's much very literal and mm-hmm. symbology. Yeah, it's like it invokes like the feeling or or, or like uh, subjectivity mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. So Ortegas gets in the turbo lift and confusedly asks it to take her home. Takes her to deck six, and she sees several members of the crew, including Chapel, in various states of confusion and disorientation. Um, the computer, recognizing Ortegas, illuminates the path to her quarters. As she enters, she immediately feels a sense of safety, but as she looks outside the viewport, asteroids from the debris field begin impacting the shields. Ortegas huddles up against her bed, pleading with somebody to make it stop. It's, it's in your power, lady. So outside of the palace, Pike gets over his dor- disorientation and uh, is standing right behind one of the guards, just as Mbenga attacks the other. The guard in front of Pike grazes Mbenga with his phaser before Pike takes him down and goes down. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Uh, Mbenga sees that he'll be fine but can't put weight on his leg. Pike hands him the other guard's rifle and tells him to keep them busy as long as he can while he goes inside to find their memories. Ortegas, still in her quarters, calls out and begs for help. At first, the computer asks if she needs medical attention, uh, but Ortegas replies she wants to get away. Uh, like the um, get away, get away, get away, get away now. Oh no, I was I was gonna go. I want to get away. Uh, I want to fly. Um, what's God? What's that guy's name? Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz yeah. Lenny Leonard Kravitz. Leonard Kravitz. Leonard Bone Kravitz. Yeah. Bones. Bones. <laughs> yeah, apparently, he's got a big old ding dong, so that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, so we maybe we should call him Leonard Bone Kravitz. Oh yeah. Right, because he's got a big old bone, big old meaty <laughs> bone. Uh, there's actually pictures online, like his penis is flopped out on stage before, and it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Oh, I seen it. Oh yeah, we all we all we all seen it. We all whomst among us. <laughs> it's like something that you're. That it's it's a it's a uh, kind of like a bar mitzvah. You mm-hmm. got to look at Lenny Kravitz's penis in order. It's like a it's a rite of passage. All right, rite of passage. Right. <laughs> um, so also, I was just realizing, like one thing, this episode was missing. Kind of, you remember that one ep- uh, TNG episode. Uh, where everyone on the on the ship loses their memories, and, and, yeah. and so uh, the the alien can interject himself into their crew, and their crew. Yeah, and I did like in that where it's just like everyone was questioning who was in charge, mm-hmm. and we didn't get any much of that. Like people, I guess, just inherently just followed Pike on this. Yeah, they're like the guy with the Italian hair. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, the guy with the the guy with the good hair. Mm-hmm. But that would that would have been fun because I did like that like um, uh, perspective in uh, in that TNG episode because yeah, it's like they're you know like well I'm in charge. Like Worf's like, I'm in charge. I have the most dec- <laughs> I'm the right, most right. decorated. Mm-hmm. I've got two penises. I've got two penises. I'm and obviously I got this, in charge. And I got this sash. I am in charge. Indeed. Um, so Pike enters the palace, uh, shooting through the guards. Before confronting Zack in his throne room, the High Lord tells Pike that he's not supposed to be there. Engaging in a brief firefight, Pike disarms Wen and hurls him to the floor. He yields... And Pike demands the casket with their memories. Zack realizes Pike heard the story from the totem and tells him it's not real. Pike tells him to stop lying and begins kicking him in the stomach, which is pretty fucking sick. He was beating the shit out of him. Yeah, he was fucking going hard on him. And I was like, 
yeah, this makes sense in context, and it kind of fucking rules. Yeah, and Zach is a little guy. He's mm. just like a little, little tiny guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and Pike is just like going ham on him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I need our memories! Pike screams at him. Pretty pretty good delivery of that. Uh, so, back up on the ship, Ortega's now more sure of herself, knowing that I fly the ship. Uh, nimbly flies the Enterprise through the debris field. Um, as she begins to fly straight at a large asteroid in front of them, Pike asks if she's going to avoid it, but Ortegas replies, there's no time, and they have to thread the needle. Yeah, she was pulling out all of, like, the sort of, like, next-level moves. Yeah, she was, which, <laughs> which is like, cool. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's been, like, made to know, um, you know, that she's a very talented pilot, mm-hmm. and I like that it's part of, like, her muscle memory, basically. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it is basically yeah, going off muscle memory. She doesn't yeah. know how to read. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, I would sooner remember how to drive my car than read, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been I've been biking again after, like, 12 years, and, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, you just get on the bike. And, yeah. It's just like riding a bike. Just like riding just a like bike. Like so, um... Pike begins ransacking the throne room until he comes across a crate of Starfleet supplies. Zack says it's all he had. Pike recognizes them as tools, not memories. Uh, Zack asks if he recognizes those things. Pike, holding a tricorder in his hand, realizes that they feel familiar. Um, Zack reminds him that a box couldn't hold memories. An asteroid had in fact impacted Rigel 7 thousands of years before, and the place was made of an ore, or sorry, the palace was made of an ore that shielded them from radiation from the asteroids. Uh, the palace Kalar's helmets are also made out of the same ore to protect them and their memories. Pike doesn't believe him, but Zack insists it's true, though of course Pike wouldn't believe him, because he doesn't know shit right now. Yeah, you don't know shit. So, Zack admits he thought Pike would wander around, getting lost among the field Kalar, but it figured that he would start a revolution instead, and starts laughing. Uh, Pike says that his friend is dying and needs help. He demands that he stop laughing, and repeatedly punches him in the face in another moment of badassery. Uh, At one point, almost sobbing that he wanted his memories back. Zack, still giggling as he gets the shit beat out of him, tells him that his friend will die. Pike, very angry now, retrieves his phaser and points it at Wen, who fearfully takes it all back, begging to not be killed. Yeah, that's right, you little bitch. <laughs> Fucking, you're talking shit yeah. to the guy who's beating the shit out of you? Why Why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> you're just asking, maybe he's a sadist. Maybe he just loves getting, mat masochist rather. Maybe he oh, loves yeah. getting his dick kicked in oh yeah he's he, he's definitely like he's lived as a king for like five years so he's probably like tasted all the forbidden fruits that are available to him and oh yeah now that's all available like Mattel. yeah <laughs> and now all he needs is like to get his ass kicked and that's like that's like the greatest thrill to him now just oh like, yeah he back. had the the fruits right right yeah he had all the fruits he's no, tasted what, he, what fruits rocks and <laughs> wood they, they do that's all a, they produce they do live in a very shitty area yeah, yeah they, and all they produce is rocks and wood which yeah. are two things that suck chop chop dig dig chop chop dig dig chop chop dig dig oh what a relief it is <laughs> um so Zach points out uh, that he had just uh, been about to kill him uh, all over a fairy tale and reminds him how he has said Rigel 7 changes people. Pike disagrees, saying it showed them who they really are before putting his weapon down. Zach asks what would come next, and Pike replies he's bringing him home and Starfleet would decide the rest. So what do you even do in that case? 
Like, what the fuck is Starfleet supposed to do? Put him on trial for surviving? Send him to Australia. Probably, which is kind of fucked up. He's going to Australia. I mean, which goes back to, like, the carceral state of of Starfleet and how much I dislike it. Which, you know, no thank you. Yeah, I'm guessing they don't have, like, really long prison sentences, though. I don't know. Wasn't fucking Paris in there for, like, half a decade or something when Janeway got him out? For the Maquis shit? Maybe. I think so. So, um... Mbenga is now able to treat Lon's energy. Luke sits on the steps, lost in his memories. Having his memory back. And everyone gets their memories back, by the way. Yeehaw. Mbenga admits that he had been right, that perhaps not having a past was a good thing. Lon agrees, but adds that some memories are worth the pain of others. Interesting thought. And that it's good to be back. I need my memories. I need yeah. my pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's a very Captain Kirk thing yeah. sentiment. Um, so Luke remembers that he had had a son who was a lot like Pike himself. He admits that he was wrong. That all field Kalar should have their memories back. Mm-hmm. He then points to the keystone Pike is wearing, asking who had given it to him. And Pike says, "Somebody I really need to apologize to," which was actually a pretty great line. Mm-hmm. So, Landing Party returns to the Enterprise, where Spock is able to develop a shield harmonic to block out the radiation that caused the forgetfulness. Pike decides on a permanent solution to the Kalar's troubles, removing the asteroid from the surface. Uh, Pike, or sorry, Spock asks if that was not a violation of the Prime Directive, but Pike replies that this one asteroid changed thousands of years of history on a planet, something that was not, quote, natural development. Okay. What? An asteroid crashing into a planet? Are, are you saying, like, the, the, the dinosaurs dying out, their extinction was not a natural event? That it was somehow an intervention? Because I, I, I feel like he fundamentally doesn't understand the difference between natural development and physical intervention. Yeah. Which is not a good look for a captain. It's absolutely breaking the prime directive. I'm guessing maybe, maybe he's also being like, well, space is our jurisdiction, and we're going to decide to fling this thing off so it can affect a different planet. Yeah, right? It's, it's <laughs> just, now it's going to crash into Earth or Vulcan. Cause, yeah, because they, 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 they uh, slingshot it, and mm-hmm. so it's just like, what, is that thing just going to like just going to keep going? <laughs> like, I mean, they, they could be slingshotting it into a sun, I'd hope. I'd hope they slingshot it into the sun, but yeah, they could slingshot it and just goes and hits a different planet and makes everyone forget everything there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So next, Spock admits that the captain's logic feels sound to him, which should be a huge red flag. Yeah. Uh, two shuttles lift off the asteroid from the surface for the Enterprise to take its own tractor beam. With a little fancy flying from Ortegas, the asteroid is hurled into the debris field away from the planet. So next, we are in Pike's quarters, and he is with Battelle, uh, asking about diverting two starships for a routine prisoner transfer. Pike tells her it was more than that. Battelle has read the report, noting the rough couple of days he had. He's like, you want to see it rough, and pushes her on the bed. She's like, yes, Daddy Pike. And uh, I came. And yeah. The end. And you ate Um, some manicotti off the back. Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> you, you know I'd be eating that manicotti off that ass. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And oatmeal from inside the ass. Oh, oatmeal yeah. and manicotti, baby. You know, breakfast in the asshole, dinner at the, <laughs> dinner off the back. Ooh, I like this a lot. Lunch at something at supper time. Mm, let's, uh, so 
oatmeal off the asshole, dinner off the back, see that fat ass, and I'm giving it a smack. Well, I was doing uh, the pizza on a bagel. I, I know, I know, yeah. but it didn't rhyme at all. No, it didn't. Yeah. You need <laughs> supper time and any time are the, the two yeah, rhyming words time, there. So, yeah, you need to figure out something that goes with that. Manicani on the back at supper time. <laughs> nah, too many syllables. Yeah, syllables. Syllables. Uh, so, Battelle meets Pike in his quarters, and um, uh, he realizes that the mission had shown him something about himself and about their relationship. And he says, "It's over, bitch." No, he doesn't. That doesn't happen. Um, he holds up the keystone she had given to him, saying that she had been right about guiding about it, guiding lost sailors home. In that way, Battelle had helped guide Pike home. And that was what had happened on Rigel 7. He admits that he had acted like an ass, uh, being that she ate off of him. <laughs> she ate oatmeal out of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and asks her to forgive him. In response, she kisses him, playfully adding that they would see how the next 30 minutes went and go from there. Hells yeah. They go, fuck. He's like, baby, all I need is two. Yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes? I can go like 10 rounds, baby. <laughs> God damn. <clears throat> Who fucking takes 30 minutes? 30 minutes? There's TV to watch. Yeah, there's fucking... <laughs> I got space to look at, girl. I got space to look at. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make some manicotti. Both of us gotta... I gotta make some sauce that my mom made. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also going to dump a load of sauce that my mom made all you over got, your you face. Gotta, you know what I'm saying? That's the thing. you got to keep stirring that sauce. It's not oh. a sauce that you can leave on the heat. It has to be constantly stirred on the heat. Oh, I'm talking about the booty sauce. Oh, the booty sauce. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. What would what, you, you think? You know, I liked it. It definitely gave me a lot of memento 51st dates vibes. Yeah. Like, um, but less toxic. Less, to less toxic. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, but I think it revealed the, uh, the how, like, yeah, memory loss is toxic. Like, right. I mean, Me Memento does too. You know, he's he's being exploited to be like a um, a hitman mm -hmm. by by people like exploiting his like his um, um, brain injury. And it'd, it'd be funnier if they made him do like fucking dirty cam work or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he has a tattoo. that's like, do not do cam work. But then it's like do not. But then like they quit. They uh they 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 add they tattoo on him. Do not do cam work on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what day is it? It's Thursday. Okay, I can do cam work. He's just got a username and password scrawled across his <laughs> arm. It's like, what's this? What's it, this? This chatterbait. But but that's the thing. It's always Thursday. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's true. It's always Thursday if you believe in yourself. But yeah, like I like I liked how like you know where you know Memento and um, Fifty First Dates have very bleak. True endings. endings. Uh, yeah. This is like oh yeah no we need to give these people. This back is hopeful, which is great. That's what Star Trek should be. Yes, um, and they solve the problem, which I like. You know, it's they like they solve you know, multiple problems. They also solve the problem of uh, you know Pike eating shit out of uh, uh, sorry oatmeal out of Battelle's ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or manicotti off her back. Right. Yeah. It depends on what time of day. Yeah, it depends on what kind of time of day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 
And yeah, no, I, I, I like this episode. It was fun. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I mean, I'm kind of confused about what they can and cannot remember. Cause yeah, it does, that it wasn't fleshed out super well. It did change a lot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, Luke did, you know, Luke was definitely like, you know, Joey Exposition where he's just like, yeah, yeah. you know, I have to fill in a lot of like what this is. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm remembering a lot more than I probably should. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's all, they got an hour. What can they do? Yeah. <laughs> so oddly enough, this script actually shares a lot of similar similarities with a script a uh, uh, unsolicited script i sent to terry metallis really yeah oddly enough like i use like radiation on the planet as like a reason that like only a few people can go down to the planet mm. and stuff like that so like seeing seeing like kind of my same like tropes and stuff working well in star trek is very reassuring yeah it gives hope yeah a new hope a new hope my favorite star trek oh yeah yeah no. No, it's not true. Well, what do you think? You like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was a, a great episode. Probably the best episode of the season, except for uh, Ad Astro. Yeah, I think Astro. that. I think that's still at the top. Yeah, it was just like such a well done courtroom episode, and I am fucking horny for courtroom. Oh episodes. yeah, we love our courtroom episodes. We fucking do. Um, like, yeah, it, it was more courtroom episode than shows about actual courtrooms. That's very true. Like, <laughs> Judge Judy ain't got shit on it. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this was pretty rad, though. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, yeah. I would too. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a little fun thing. You know, I, I especially like anything where you go and see a different alien culture. I mean, and um, and just like their level of development, you know. Mm -hmm. But clearly, they are basically just humans. Like they pretty much match human Bronze Age <laughs> almost yeah. to a T. But yeah, yeah, but with with rifles, so yeah, yeah, and totems and stuff, and. Uh, in like saws like saws, yeah. like metal saws mm. to make things and big metal hammers that aren't bronze <laughs> that uh apparently don't kill a man when you hit him in the face with it also i do like the trope of like yeah uh someone being left behind and then having to survive in a very unconventional I, way i i love that star trek trope because yeah. it's done pretty often on star trek it is, and i yeah. am always a fan I, I i have to imagine it probably would like if we do ever get to that level Mm -hmm. uh, that we have that exists in Star Trek. I imagine that would happen a lot of time, especially if we're going to different planets and mm -hmm. like encountering all sorts of different problems. Right. It's like, yeah, like you know, shit's gonna go down. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta you gotta save who you can because, like, yeah, I mean, that's you see that you that's happened all all over the place. You know, on Earth, you know, just people, you know, in exploration or like war or something, like getting caught between behind enemy lines and having to be abandoned yeah so yeah it definitely was gonna as it will happen like when we start you know going out to different planets mm -hmm. and I, I really did like how kind of nuanced the whole prime directive discussion was in this episode mm -hmm. until the end him taking the asteroid out of the planet totally against the prime directive it is but I, yeah i mean but also it's just like i think it's like the 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 right thing to do because it, yeah because I like mean, that's if it, when, when it's still there like they can still be exploited like they're they right. still have the potential to be exploited like like there could still be field kalar and, and then like they'll forget like the people inside the palace will still remember but they'll be mm -hmm. like we really like having these slaves yeah which <laughs> I, I will say big credit to the episode for taking i th i think a fairly like specific anti-capitalist stance yeah i, th I think mm -hmm. not 100 percent sure but it feels like it to me yeah yeah 
I feel yeah. like yeah, returning returning their memories and returning their uh, agency is a memories good. All, all alone, alone in the, the moonlight. moonlight. I remember the, the old times. Yeah. Jellico cat, Jellico cat, Jellico cat. Yeah, Je- you know, it's Jellico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Jellico cat, Jellico cats. <laughs> Jellico cat, Jellico cat. We got four shifts with the Jellico cats. <laughs> I like to have a order on the bridge, so get in uniform, cat. Yeah. Yeah, getting uniform Deanna Troy. <laughs> getting uniform Deanna Troy. Getting uniform. Yeah, why, why was Deanna Troy always allowed to wear her beta zoid getup? That was a little strange, right? I mean, I'm happy about it because it looked yeah. great on her. But, yeah. But why? She's a the, fucking Starfleet officer, dog. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she, for some reason she got the skirt. Like, yeah, like the. But yeah, I mean that's. A, that I guess is, Worf got a sash. But. And that is fucked. Yeah, I mean Riker was able to yell at Ro Lauren for just having an earring. And, Right, and but then, Riker got his beard. Yeah, and then like, meanwhile, his girlfriend's walking around in just like a, a onesie, mm-hmm. and and then he's not saying shit about that. He's not yelling, no. at her, not getting in her face. No, that's because he really wants to fuck Ralorn. Because who and, does not? And he does in the memory race episode. You're right, he does. Yeah, that's yeah. sick as hell. Well, they they get their memories erased, and suddenly they're just like, "You want to fuck?" <laughs> Which makes me want to go to Kalar or whatever this planet is. <laughs> yeah. I want to be one of the field Kalar because I'd be fucking every day. Something fucking different. every day. I don't remember who I am, but I know I'm horny. <laughs> yeah. This is a real strange new world. <laughs> Worlds of new strange. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This goes back to like the strange discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to see it. Love to see it. Well, you got anything else to add? Ah, I'm good. Cool. You want to go jerk off? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, you ready for the the winner of the contest? What contest? Horniest dick in the galaxy. Wow! Here we go. What's on the card? No, that can't be it. What What does it say? It says, Jadzia. Oh my god! <laughs>